Like if I'm tired, no work is going to get done quickly. And it's also not going to get done at a great level. It's, it's like not, it's going to be trash. If I take a nap, then I I am going to be more productive and more efficient in getting that work done. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowerment Zone. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone, the zone where you somehow are able to write that 10-page paper in four hours. Amen. Amen to that, because that's what I'm currently doing, Um, single-spaced. Six to nine pages worth of research, I guess, for environmental Soch is very, that's a violent act. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. An act of violence me. against yourself. But I, I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm Superman. Like, because the way the procrastination hits and then <laughs> the realization that you actually have to do stuff hits and then somehow gets done. Don't be like me, y'all. <laughs> if you don't know who we are, my name's Giovanna. And I'm Jasmine. And we are a part of ASP, um, the Academic Support Program. Me personally, I am a second year sociology major and I work with ASP as a peer counselor. And I'm a third year human biology and society major, African American studies minor. Um, and I'm the admin assistant for the project. So we've been talking a lot about our different pillars. So far, we've gone over community service, self-advocacy, and self-learning. But for today's episode, we're going over one that's probably overlooked a lot, health and wellness. Yes, we are. And this episode is very special because it is a part one of this. Yes, that is right. Um, This pillar is so important that we got two different guests to be on two different episodes, and we're just going to talk about it. For this particular episode, we've invited RISE counselor, Dr. Jazz, to talk to us about the importance of holistic health. And along with that, because Dr. Jazz does a bunch of really cool stuff, a yoga instructor, a mother, she does everything. Um, she ended off our episode with a little bit of guided meditation. So if you want to tune in and hear that. Listen, y'all, that guided meditation is a lifesaver. I don't feel any tension in my body no more. So stay tuned because you never know. You might need it before final season. I'm just saying. Right, exactly. And without any further ado, let's get into these tunes and let's get into this episode. Shit, you wild, I can't even blame you, you silent. 
Be as cold-hearted as you please All the causes can't be common Contemplate on your beliefs Seeking confirmation and conversations About killed dreams Seen dishonesty and poverty Gravity hold your seams Cling to it Speak your peace You can't lose your cool to a fully That's fumbling Fundamentals will teach you confidence When they strike at you I can feel any desire High flying soaring through you It's decisions I require Like a style You a beauty I won't take advantage I'm looking forward to you truly bring it all hopes, fears, what you lost, your ideas, common flaws, come to me, release this calm, who will we to think we're wrong? I like this style, you a beauty, I won't take advantage. Looking forward to Welcome back, everyone, from the music break. Thank you for listening to all the tunes, you know, that our special guests have offered. Um, For our first portion of the podcast, we'll be talking to Dr. Jasmine. Um, So, yeah, can you introduce yourself? Tell us, like, your job title, how many years you worked at UCLA? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Giovanna and Jasmine. Um, So I like to go by Dr. Jazz, um, like jazz hands, um, and she, her pronouns. Um, I am assistant director of mental health training, training intervention and response for residential life. And I'm also a health and well-being coordinator for the Rice Center on campus. And I have been in this role since September 2020. Um, and so, yeah, in my role, it is like a kind of a hybrid of uh, residential life in RISE. So in residential life, I am, you know, working with RAs and pro staff around mental health training um, and even just being a consultant for some RAs. Maybe they're having some issues with some of their residents and they're not sure how to approach it. Um, And, but we, my, myself and my supervisor were also a resource for pro staff. So we want the staff to be well, um, so we may even make sure that we're engaging them in self-care or wellness activities. And with the Rye Center, I am, you know, in able to run some healing spaces. I also do movement and meditation. Um, so I'm also a certified yoga instructor outside of campus. And so I'm able to bring that skill to the Rye Center and really kind of emphasize holistic wellness, mind and body. Oh, wow. Yoga instructor and being a doctor. Okay. Per. <laughs> right. Um, I, this is out of curiosity. Is it ever like difficult working with like residential life? Because like, I know that RAs, for example, they deal with like a lot, you know, they're, they're college students listening yeah. to other college students problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, first of all, you know, Giovanna, thanks for at least acknowledging that being an RA is tough <laughs> because you're a student um, as well. So you live and work, at, you know, at the same place um, and have to be a student. Um, you know, honestly, I do feel like uh, when RAs come to me, um, it can be on a spectrum of like difficulty or distress. So I get a mix of RAs, you know, really feeling okay, able to manage things. And then I get RAs who are really, really struggling um, for various reasons. It's sometimes just like the luck of the draw with regards to the cards they're dealt, 
you know, as an RA and being a student. Um, and, you know, my role is to try and work with them to find solutions to be able to still remain an RA, almost a little bit of perspective taking. Sometimes, you know, you have to sit and talk about like what is going right versus what is going wrong. And that can also help balance out, you know, the remainder of the quarter or at least um, give them some ways to move forward in a, like a healthy, healthier mindset. That just so happens to be the theme of our episode, you know, staying healthy, especially in college, like you were saying, kind of like managing the multiple different stressors that we have, you know, as college students, which kind of leads me to my first question. Um, How would you define health and wellness and why is taking care of yourself a a priority? Mm. Yeah, I really like this question. I'm not sure I've really even asked it, which is funny. Um, But I would define health and wellness as how you feel in general on a scale of good to bad. I think that when you can sit and reflect on like, I feel really good today. When people say that, generally, that means that they feel good mentally, physically, emotionally. And I think that's what health is. Because when you think about it, if we are unhealthy, it could be in a variety of ways. It could be draining us in a lot of different categories in our life. And someone's going to ask, you know, how are you? I'm all right. I'm here. Um, If you're sick, you know you don't feel well. So when someone can say like, I feel really good today, I think that that is like the definition of health and wellness, honestly. Um, And again, thinking about not only your mental health, but physical health too. Why do you think college students sometimes neglect their health? Um, It can be a very stressful environment, but how can college students like rethink their health and wellness while they're here? Um, health is wealth. Health is wealth. So I think that um, it has to be a priority, just like classes, just like your organizations. Um, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So, you know, when I, when I, you know, hear this question, I, I basically have to remind myself Like, it's not easy to remember to take care of yourself. It's just like one of the first things to go when we are busy. Um, But I think the mindset has to change and the motivation has to change and adjust because whenever we realize that like, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to pass this class if I'm sick. (laughs) So I have to make time for myself. I have to make meet the basic needs got to get enough sleep got to eat enough got to drink enough water I feel like that's also you know lacking and uh and then we have to also pay attention to what we're telling ourselves you know are we our biggest coach and cheerleader or are we our biggest critic that's going to weigh really heavy on us as well you have to remember that health and self-care is like a priority just like everything else because you're not gonna be able to do anything if you're not healthy Right. And I love that you mentioned that because um, like the physical health and the mental health and how they're kind of like intertwined, because like I've noticed that like oftentimes when I'm stressed, I'm so likely to get sick. It's like it's almost as if like your body's keeping a score, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, 
and like I don't know pulling all nighters all the time it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Not sustainable. Exactly. Exactly. I think that um, you, you touched, you know, on it. There's so many all-nighters people pull or stretching yourself too thin um, and eventually you'll break. You'll, you'll break or you'll start to feel a little tickle in your throat. Um, and that's your body's feedback, letting you know, like, you're doing too much. You got to sit down. Um, You got to rest. Uh, I honestly am at a a place in my life where I know that if I don't get enough rest, I'm going to get sick like in a couple days. And that has happened more often with my son because if he's sick, he's not sleeping. Therefore I'm not sleeping. So um, I've gotten sick way more often just because of that. But I've always known if I don't get rest, I'm more prone to get sick. Yeah, that is too true. Me being the HBS major, um, I'm really interested in stress and like how that affects health. Um, like I've been learning like how like um not cholesterol, cortisol, like the stress hormone, like Yeah. regulates like the hypothalamus and all that. And if you have like um a high allostatic load or like a high biological burden on your body, your body's like, okay, well, we can't really operate <laughs> the way we were operating before. And then like your immune Yeah. system gets all jacked up. Yeah. And just your body's like maintenance system is just out of whack. So Mhm. <laughs> mm you can really see it come to play. And people are like, oh, you know, I'm just stressed out. It'll be okay. It's like, no, your body is going to, you know, not Yeah. overburden itself over time. So it's, it's, Yeah. it's sad that we kind of don't pay attention to that. Yeah, and I you know, I don't know what needs to happen. Um in order for us to pay attention sooner because eventually your body is just going to be like, nope, not today. And it's just going to sit you down. Like <laughs> you're not going anywhere. Um, but how do we pay attention to our body sooner to where we're not on our backs like for, for weeks. Um, and I honestly think if we are more connected, like with our mind and body, then like the signs will be there. You'll start to know the signs earlier and be like, okay, oop, I need to take a break. Honestly, you know, as a professional, uh, we'll, you know, we have sick days, we have vacation days as a professional when we work. I have always been a believer of like, if I wake up one day and I have just like a little tickle in my throat, I'm like sick day. I'm a rest Because if I continue to work and it just gets worse and worse, then I'm going to be forced to take sick day. And how many sick days after that am I going to have to take? I don't know to get better. So if I can just like pay attention, mm, I need a little rest. I'm going to take a sick day and like chill. And I feel 100% the next day. Amen. I feel like professors do not understand that. Like, in this day and age of COVID, they're like, oh, if you didn't test positive, you can come to class. You can take an exam. It's like, wait, what happened to we want to prioritize our students and their well-being? the thing about sick days or like mental health days I think they're so essential I don't know why we're taught in academia that that's like laziness or you're not trying hard enough Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, at my last institution, I definitely was an advocate for even faculty and staff to have mental health days separate from vacation and sick days. So it's it's so real. It's needed.
Uh, yeah, I'd be taking those mental health days, especially now that it's raining. Yeah, I'm staying home. <laughs> yeah. Um, Well, I'm glad that you talked about a little bit about being faculty because, you know, that's your job. And I imagine working like your entire job being talking about like health and mental health specifically, that can be like, I don't know, difficult being that a lot of um, the school doesn't care about it. And we're kind of focused just on like getting our education. So I wanted you to give like a little bit insight of how it is being like one of the advocates of college students mental health how, like how counselors really play a role in helping students take care of themselves Um, yeah, I think that, uh, one mental health is just as important as your physical health. Like I've alluded to, you know, throughout this, um, session, but I think that counselors are an, an outlet for students. There is a lot of pressure that students are put under, but also put themselves under and it can be jumbled up. and intertwined into this emotional ball or roller coaster that you don't really know how to sort out or understand. And a counselor can help you understand it and also provide some tools and strategies to kind of untangle that emotional ball and be able to like be a little bit more calm, a little bit closer to homeostasis, even in the midst of adversity or stress, you know, Our friends, our family, they may tell us stuff we want to hear or tell us stuff we don't want to hear. And a counselor, I I feel like is like a combination of both. <laughs> and, you know, if you share and are vulnerable with them, then they are going to be able to help you the best. So it's it's like a help me help you situation. You really want to be able to feel comfortable. But the other thing too is... Therapy does not have to be a life sentence. Although I'm biased, I think that people should go for a checkup just like they go to a doctor, a medical doctor for a checkup. They need to go to therapy for a checkup. A therapist, the goal is to help you to like thrive without therapy, give you the tools and strategies you need to be able to navigate the world without therapists. But of course, we're there. If you need a little bit more or you need a reset or if something else happened that just knocked you off your game and you got to process that. So that's what I would that's what I would say to that question. That's, yeah, I never thought about going to a therapist as a checkup. You said that you help with uh, RISE, but do you know what the difference is between RISE and CAPS? Because I know those are two resources here on campus that students can use. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the. The short and quick way to differentiate them is um, RISE is more about prevention. Things that you can do to like manage your stress and like maintain an overall sense of wellness before you get to a state of crisis. And that's where CAPS comes. So CAPS is intervention. They want to intervene with something right now because you are, you know, not doing great. Usually university counseling is short-term therapy. And so they tend to see students who are like struggling a little bit more or in crisis. But if you are wanting just like a lifestyle, like 
change and have a counselor for long term, then you can go to therapy even on your best day. So just know that like you don't have to. I think people think that therapy, you have to be in uh, you have to be a whole mess. And before you go to therapy, but you can go to therapy and like talk about everything going great. And that's really refreshing sometimes for a, a therapist. Um, but the the difference between short-term and long-term therapy, short-term usually is you're trying to work through something. And so university counseling centers is considered more short-term. You know, going back to RISE, you can gain a lot of skills and strategies and tools to be able to deal with stress, manage stress before it gets really bad. So again, the short answer is RISE's prevention and CAPS's intervention. Man, I love that you said that because I definitely like when I have nothing to talk about with my therapist, I definitely pull up and I tell her about my TV shows or the books I'm reading. Yeah, because all of it is still like about the human psyche or like your emotions so like you don't have to think about therapy as just talking about your bad emotions you can talk about your good ones too and what brings you good emotions well one of the things that bring me good emotions is music i think that's the signal for the music break <laughs> i am nice. weak okay that was a good segue <laughs> um we're gonna take a music break and then we're gonna come back the top with Dr. Jazz. So stay tuned, everyone.
commercial break. You feel me? You know how we So, do. <laughs> so if you haven't already, please sign up for Mentorship Committee. They need y'all's help. They have a lot of events happening spring quarter, and they're going to be fun to organize and to be collaborative with. So definitely do that. Appreciative is coming up. They're doing their thing. Sign up and also sign up for our internship class hosted by the internship component, the two-unit course where you learn some leadership skills and you're shadowing under different Harambe Council orgs here at UCLA under ASU. You get a lot of experience. And last quarter, well, winter quarter, we're still in it, hasn't ended yet. We went on a field trip. We went to the California African American Museum, the California Science Center, and Lamert Park. So if you're interested in getting some new skills, um, being surrounded with Black community, and possibly exploring L.A. together, sign up. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Dr. Jazz, continuing our conversation about health and wellness. So another question that we have for you is, when you hear the words holistic health, what comes to mind and why is it important? Um, yeah, holistic health is um, more than just the normal way that people think about health, typically, which is physical. Uh, so to me, holistic wealth, uh, health considers physical, emotional, mental, even spiritual, financial, social, like all of it. But in the context of health and wellness, um, I like to hone in on physical and mental being intertwined. One impacts the other. So if you're not physically well, you're also not going to be mentally well and vice versa. Um, so that's why I think it's important. I think that we have to be helping and tending to both of those aspects of health. Um, and I also think that holistic health is, um, part of, I think, I think it should be a little bit more emphasized in our culture because this is, I would say more of Eastern practices, where they think of holistic, um, but I think it needs to be more a part of Western culture. That is such a good point. That is such a good point. Yeah, especially as we as we talk about preventative measures. I don't know, I come from like an African household. So my mom, it's like very common for my mom to just be making like ginger shots, which like <laughs> basically help her, like yeah. help us get sick. And I remember being so annoyed as a kid. I was just like, I'm not even sick. Like, why am I taking something in case I might get sick? But like, it's just like a yep. difference in mentality. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I would have to agree. Um, I feel like Western culture is very much like a hustle culture. So you're always like worrying about getting your dollar. You're worried about like, you know, advancing in some way, some form without really taking care of yourself. And like even medicine has become, um, what's it called? Like put under like the capitalistic system. So it's not even like a and a system where the individual can really benefit for real because like it may cause you more stress and yes. then you're not really thinking about your mental health because if you think about your mental health too much 
you're not going to be making as much money because you're taking rest days, which is not really encouraged in Western society. I think it's problematic. Yes. Yes, it's it's actually a good point. Um, I do think that uh, Eastern practices, um, they tend to have practices that can be longer term in healing benefits, whereas Western practices is like medication, very short term. It's like just kind of like making the pain like dull or numb, but not healing why you have pain. Uh, so that's where I feel like it's important to, you know, really think about holistically, you know, where is it coming from? Um, it also reminds me of physical therapy. Uh, I have a new lease on my perspective on physical therapy after um, being trained in yoga. And we had a physical therapist come. Um, like, she essentially took one of the students and they said they had pain down the back of their leg, but she did something up here on his shoulder and the pain was gone. <laughs> and he's been taking like painkillers, Tylenol, all this stuff to try and get rid of the pain. She's like, oh, this is what's happening. So there's like parts of your body that are actually the source of the pain, but you feel it somewhere else. And I was like, <laughs> so if you can slide over that information, I would love, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to pay a visit. Yeah. I I need to think about I I need to actually do a search for that person's name because it was a few years ago now. But I see their face. So maybe I can try and recall based on that. Crazy. Because imagine you're going to a doctor for years, you're like, I have this pain. And then you go to a physical therapist or even like a DO because they practice like a holistic wellness or like a chiropractor. And they're like, oh, let me just stretch this part right here. And you're you're cool. It's crazy. I will be heated. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be so upset. refund (laughs) on each doctor visit. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, doctors, they they still have benefits, you know, so I'm not don't get me wrong. But I think that when you think of holistic wellness, You should also have, you know, a doctor who does like Eastern practices as well. So I just think that you should have the whole gamut. You should have a physical therapist. You should have an Eastern medicine doctor or Western medicine doctor, just because there's going to be things that they both could miss or all of them could miss. And so if you have all these perspectives, then you probably will be engaging in more holistic, open-minded wellness. Right. Um, I think this, like, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I'm really thinking about how, like, um, as Black people, as Black, as Black community, oftentimes health is, like, a major, um, a major issue. Um, and this is, like, in all sorts of things, whether it's, like, stress or um, diabetes or cholesterol, all, t- all types of things, right? So um, I guess I wanted to ask, like, how does poor health impact us individually and how does poor health impact us as a community? Well, individually, um, like I mentioned at the beginning, health is wealth. So individually, if we don't have our health, we're not going to be able to do anything for anyone else, let alone ourselves. Um, We also, you know, as a Black community, even 
now we are most of us are, are maybe I should say um, uh, there are those who identify as black who have grown up in the States, U.S., and then outside of the States. So those who have grown up in the States, they also have this individualistic mentality um, that is also a struggle because black um, communities are more communal, like it's supposed to be working together. Um, <clears throat> so when one of us is down, then like we all fall down. Um, and we can infect each other, we can impact each other. So it's like when one of us is infected, we're going to infect everybody. We also are highly influential of each other. <laughs> so if one person's like, yo, you got to try this, whatever, we're all going to try it. But we want to make sure that it's going to be safe because it's it's going to impact everyone. So us as an individual, um, poor health, um, it's just going to be a domino effect for us as a community. Um, and I think that it's generational as well. There's just habits that have been passed down, passed down, passed down. Um, and, and, you know, there's still statistics out there where Black people are at the top of some of these statistics related to poor health. Um, and so that's still really, you know, very real thing that hasn't changed for generations. And so it's, it just makes you wonder why that is. Um, but the last thing that I'll say is uh, Black, um, being Black in America is um, a unique experience and it in and of itself creates poor health. There's so many things that happen that remind us of our social location in this country. Um, and that is very, very much impacting our health. That can be another podcast. <laughs> so It can, it can. And then I think about like what you were saying earlier about holistic health also being health from different background western health and, and eastern health i'm just thinking about the fact that so many of us don't have access to to a large amount of the um, resources that we're talking about and what does it mean when you're trying to stay healthy but you quite literally do not have the money or you don't have the resources not in place in your life where you can go to a doctor or um so much in, like so many people in our communities again like I come from immigrant community they just like associate doctors with bad news so they avoid them which is a problem <laughs> that's still that's still very real especially among um i would say in the black uh, community among black men and more than black women um yeah uh like in general you know some black men just fear going to the doctor because they're afraid they're not coming out <laughs> that's just like point blake uh even for a checkup <laughs> so um yeah, like I said, like doctors or, you know, uh, Eastern healers or they all have something to offer um, that could be really helpful. Now, you can take it or leave it, but you, you at least got to go to see. Um, I, I also think that um, 
again, it's generational. It's like passed down the idea, you know, what you just said, Giovanna, that's passed down. So we also have to think about our generations that we're in and like, how can we stop the, you know, the theory that doctors are like harmful or going to do something worse to your health? How can we stop that? And a lot of it is just taking action and just going because, again, when one person does it, they'll be like, oh, you went to the, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor too. We are highly influential. <laughs> so, yeah, I wish Ty was here, but she will be here on the next part of the radio show. But she does like a lot of research on like um, the Pan African like psyche and like how we think as like. Um, as a part of the Black Diaspora and how we can, like, use some of our ways of, like, being to improve our mental health. And just, like, to touch on, like, some of the things that y'all said, like, I'm also interested in public health. I want to become an epidemiologist someday. So a lot of things are out of your control when it comes to your health, especially because it's a lot of, like, societal factors impacting the way that you live, unfortunately. Like, even, like, say, like, giving birth. Black women who have all types of medical care, are professionals, etc., they can end up having a worse time when they're on the um, labor and delivery table because um, of medical racism um, and just not, and like stress levels within the Black community can also impact like, the way you deliver and just all different types of factors that can like impact you outside of like having a, um, a large income coming in so it's really sad to think about but i'm sure with um more access to like education and income for various people we black people will be able to come into these spaces so you'll be able to see more black doctors so you're less stressed out about going to the doctor you'll be able to see like more black public health scholars more black psychologists Mm -hmm. so that we can help our community in those ways yeah, absolutely. I, you know, just want to add to that. Uh, I, I, even though I'm, I'm emphasizing the generational narrative that continues to get passed down as being in the way of care, you know, people taking care of themselves. It's, it's definitely not because it's a crazy thought, you know, it's coming from historical treatment uh, of our our people. So it is not crazy to think that, but things are very different now. And so, you know, we definitely want to take care of ourselves and maybe it does mean, all right, well, I'm going to seek a black doctor. I'm going to seek a black therapist, you know, but we'll take it. Like now, um, Jasmine, what you were saying there, there has to be more though. There has to be more representation. There's just not enough. Um, and so I do hope that um, people are inspired. They realize there's a gap. There's a reason why people that look like them don't go and use those types of services. So maybe they need to go and be representing that service. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I became a psychologist. Right. And I have a lot of pre-med um, friends, got a lot of pre-med cousins and specifically black women I just think it's so interesting and beautiful that a lot of them have like one of their main goals is like protecting um other black people um specifically black women um within like health 
uh, whether that's like um, being an OBGYN, working in mental health, just like actually taking our health seriously and our pain seriously and what we're going through seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. I I have a black OB. I, you know, she was with me the whole time I was pregnant. But then when it came for delivery, I had to see someone else. So it was one of those situations. But, um, <clears throat> you know, luckily, uh, things went smoothly. So I'm I feel grateful for that. Uh, and then my OB came in like a couple days later. So it just happened to be that she wasn't there or on call or anything like that. Um, but I agree. I, I just think that people going into these fields that look like us more and more um, in order to serve people that look like them, that's just like a beautiful thing. And this is where it gets back to this like community. You know, we have to be more of a community with each other, influence, influential uh, so there's going to be other generations that are going to see more and more doctors, lawyers, engineers, psychologists that look like them, and it's going to diversify the fields more and more. Speaking of going to school and trying to become a professional so you can help others, these academic institutions do not make it easier to do that. Um <laughs> So how do academic institutions make it challenging for students to prioritize their health? And what ways can they improve so that more people can come into these positions? Man, that's a, that question is hard to answer. Um, because there's also like generational, historical uh, practices that need to be broken, very systemic. Like, um, but, you know, first, I definitely think that there needs to be an understanding of different learning styles. That's like the first thing. Um, and then I also think that certain universities need to have more representation of people <laughs> that that look like the, the population that they serve. So, yeah. That is, that's a, another big one. Um, you can get really inspired and motivated to like look at a professor that looks like you and maybe they're in a field that you want to aspire to be. And now you have a mentor and like mentorship, networking, that's like a huge part of career advancement and professional development um, and staying motivated to finish and graduate. Um, so yeah, I just think that like there has to be more understanding of learning styles, more people that look like the population that is being served. Um, but then I, I guess in addition to that, even if you are having a you know professor that doesn't look like you, professors and um, you know staff and like staff and faculty just at a college and university, there's got to be a little bit more willingness to understand and listen to students when they're coming to you telling you that they're struggling. I, you know, I do hear more and more professors kind of shutting that down. I feel like professors, some are just not understanding. And I think that's a big part. Uh, I think that could change, needs to change. I think maybe they think that, um, I mean, we all are kind of brought up to think that like 
taking care of your mental health is kind of like a cop out <laughs> or like being stressed well I'm stressed too you know kind of the idea that like everyone's suffering so you just you just have to buckle down and deal with it it's mm. kind of like maybe neither of us have to go through this mm-hmm. that's right yeah I um I, I you know in college I've never been one to pull an all-nighter I never could like my body would not allow me I would fall asleep and not to be funny but just like I thought I was focused and then next thing you know I'm passed out <laughs> um but I realized that like if I'm tired no work is going to get done quickly and it's also not going to get done at a great level <laughs> it's it's like not it's going to be trash um <clears throat> so if I take a nap then I, I am going to be more productive and more efficient and getting that work done. Um, so, you know, it's just an example of like, you have to sacrifice. I may think that like, I don't have time to take a nap. I only got two hours to finish this, but Hey, if I take a 30 minute nap, best believe I'm getting everything done in that last hour and a half. Naps are essential. Let me tell you. Um, and being a STEM student, sometimes you need that nap. You'll brain break because physics Mm-mm. It needs all my brain power. <laughs> <laughs> and then for like, especially with dealing with professors who aren't really being considerate, I don't know what needs to happen. Maybe there needs to be some more diversity training or something. Because especially if you have students who are happen to be part of like BIPOC communities, like their stressors may be different from the professor's stressors, especially if they don't come from similar backgrounds. So... I think professors overall need yeah. to be more considerate, maybe even more considerate for like intergenerational learning as well, because yeah. they come from a different time. Now we have students who are living through a pandemic and yeah, everything that comes with that, all the mm-hmm. social rights that have been happening. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if the diversity training is the way, but something needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, being more specific with diversity training and focusing on uh, equity. Um, Because I just think that all professors are not all professors. Um, Some professors think of this like, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, But to me, equity is like, well, what if people don't have bootstraps to pull up? Then what? If you're trying to have everyone start at the same level, some people are going to have to be provided bootstraps. And that's just like the reality of it. So uh, even, you know, thinking more specifically around diversity, but thinking about equity um, and how some people's needs are just different considering what they have and what they don't have. So I'm not a believer in pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It's like sometimes you have to make your own boot. Like, how are we going to do that? And I need to get the leather, cut the straps, <laughs> put the heel on. <laughs> some people come in with the boots. Exactly. <laughs> Gotta make some makeshift glue. Exactly. You know? It's like I have to become the glue manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> like, how's that supposed to work? And how are you going to walk over there? You don't have shoes. <laughs> and you go in your barefoot trying to get all these materials. Like, okay and with that um 
obviously we're all people we all got to take care of our boots take care of our health right so I guess I want to ask you as an individual as a mother a new mother as well like how does what does prior prioritizing your health look like to you on a day-to-day -day basis yeah Um, well, yeah, so, I mean, being a mom poses its own challenges, but I just feel like, at least for me, because I can't speak for all moms, but at least for me, uh, the successes outweigh the challenges, um, or I should say the pros outweigh the cons, and, you know, I getting a dose of my soul man, um, his name is Soul, <laughs> um, getting a dose of him is definitely a form of self-care for me, just like the snuggles and feels his smile. I'm just like, I can't believe that <laughs> I made you. It's just, a, it brings me back to like the miracles of life. And yeah, so that is one thing. The next is, you know, like I mentioned earlier, he's sleeping longer. So mama's sleeping a little bit longer. Um, and I, because I'm a certified yoga instructor, I am teaching, but I'm also taking yoga. So for me, that is like necessity. I have to do that um, for my overall wellness and balance. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, I, not from California, but I moved here because of the weather. Um, now it's been <laughs> raining Uh they say it never rains in Southern California. That's what I listen to in the Midwest. Um, but that's false. Now, um, it is so beautiful though, you know, when the sun's out and it's so beautiful after it rains, it's gorgeous. And so I am, I still am jaw dropping at some of the views that I see. Um, I'm still jaw dropping at some of the views that I see. I've been here for a while, but I still am in awe. So I, like stop and smell the roses so to speak by just like looking around me yes and actually can I add one more thing um mm -hmm. I think that everyone could benefit from breathing more like deep breathing more it's underrated um but just taking a deep breath even multiple times a day one of one it's free doesn't cost anything to breathe um but it is significant in being able to like remain as calm as possible when you are hit with so much stress you can just breathe through it and like you'll be able to respond in the best way possible or best the best ideas will come to you when you are breathing through it so that definitely helps me too But I'm curious, do you think you can, like, guide us through what deep breathing might be? Like, just do, like, a guide, kind of like a guided meditation, but, like, a guided deep breathing moment? Um, yeah, so you want me to actually practice it with you right now for a few yeah. minutes? Okay. Yeah, if you can. Yeah, I can do that. Um, okay, so the way I like to get started is I want you to kind of just do a mental body scan. So literally think of a, a line starting at your crown of your head and going down your body. You can close your eyes for this, or you can gaze at some eye level point. Now you want to assess like what parts of your body feel tight, tingly, tense, 
a different temperature. And this is kind of like, you're just kind of seeing what your body is like right now, because then you'll want to assess it after we breathe. Now you can continue to stay in this comfortable position, making sure your shoulders are stacked over your hips if you're sitting down and or standing. And then you want to just inhale your shoulders up towards your ears and exhale them down your back. Now, as I start to walk you through deep breathing, I want you to notice your breath as it is. What happens? Does your shoulders rise and fall? Does your chest rise and fall? What about your abdominal muscles, your diaphragm? What does it do naturally? Just notice what it does. Taking a couple breaths on your own without any coaching. And then next, I want you to start to expand your belly like a balloon on your next inhale. So when you think about this, inhale and inflate both start with I. So that's how you will remember to pair those together. Inhale, inflate your belly like a balloon. And then exhale as you deflate your belly. If you take away nothing else from this deep breathing tutorial, exhale for a longer than your inhales. And that to me is the key to decreasing your heart rate faster and more effectively. So let's say you inhale for a few seconds, then you're gonna exhale for several. Inhale, inflate your belly. And exhale, deflate. And as you continue to inhale and inflate your belly, you can also add a little meditation piece by just inhaling positive vibes, positive energy, positive comments affirmations, exhaling out negativity, doubt, criticism, fear. So inhaling confidence, persistence, love, joy, happiness, and exhaling out anxiety, low self-esteem, body image, those types of things. When you think about your inhales and exhales, you can also think about where your air is coming in and out. And so your nose, I believe, is the best source of inhaling and exhaling. So that means your mouth will be closed the whole time. However, if you do choose to use your mouth, then you want to really decrease the circumference to a whistle shape similar to the size of your nostrils, just helps to control the air in and out. So again, inhaling, inflate your belly and exhale, deflate your belly.
Maybe do one more really quality deep breath. And exhale. And that's it. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm, I have chills. That felt so good. Oh, my shoulders were tense. Now they're relaxed. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I love it. So there you have it. It is really underrated. But deep breathing is like, it's the truth. <laughs> and again, it's free. So, you know, uh, Giovanni, we're talking about People ain't got money for all these things. Just breathe. That's going to have so many benefits on your mental health, anxiety. It's going to bring you back down physical health, decrease your heart rate so you're not going to have high blood pressure. And added bonus, digestive health too, because when you're inflating and deflating your belly, it massages your intestines. What? Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy we learned a lot today you know what i'm saying learned a lot about like western and eastern practices of health and medicine we learned about breathing my shoulders feel so much better and we learned about taking care of yourself because mental health and health overall is wealth yes take that with you <laughs> when you're mm -hmm. trying to finish these finals y'all mm -hmm. it's for real and we'll see you next time in the Empowerment Zone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>